Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. With the COVID-19 pandemic and public health guidance recommending physical distancing measures, workplaces around the country and around the world have had their teams working from home. Now, there's no doubt that a lot of people have had a proper ergonomic setup while at the office, but your home office might be a different story. There are distractions, makeshift equipment, and an interplay between your home and work life all at once. Now, organizations are starting to see that this shift to home can lead to increases in injury in just plain old uncomfortable workdays. So today, we're going to talk with two ergonomic experts who'll walk us through what you can do to make your home setup a safe setup. In the first part of the show, we'll talk with Dr. Diana DiCavallo, who's an assistant professor of clinical epidemiology at Memorial University and a chiropractor by trade. Her research focuses on the relationship between health and injury, as well as the relationship between lower back pain and sitting. She's going to walk us through why paying attention to your ergonomic setup is so important. In the second half of the show, we'll talk with Erin Bradbury. She's the ergonomics lead at Memorial University and has a master's degree in kinesiology. She's going to help us set up our workstation and make sure that we are in alignment both at home and at work. So let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Diana. Thank you very much for having me. Very happy to be here. Oh, it's a great it's a great topic. It's so relevant right now. People are working from home and they're trying to make makeshift ergonomic setups. But maybe you could give us a bit of background on your research. Sure. Yeah. So I've been involved in ergonomics for a long time, even going back into my undergrad days. I did a lot of consulting and uh, spent most of my time in office ergonomics. And um, my training is in biomechanics and ergonomics from the University of Waterloo. And so my research has really stemmed from some clinical questions. I'm also a chiropractor. And so when I was in practice, I had a lot of people come see me and they sat a lot and had questions about sitting and, and their back. So that kind of drove where I started to look at chair design, office chair design, and um, this idea of sitting and how long should we be sitting? Is it, is it okay for our backs? And I did that in my, in my doctoral work and then have continued on. So our lab here at the Faculty of Medicine has a strong arm that deals with essentially looking at what flexion, like what happens to our backs when we're in these postures for really long periods of time, mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, some, some ergonomic aspects of that. So that's, that's what we focus on. Mm-hmm. You think about that, when people hurt their back, it's typically because they didn't bend their knees and they're bending over at the back, so they're fully elongated and they've got this sort of excessive angle at their hips and then their muscles are stretched so they're weaker and then they get hurt. Is that, is that something along the same lines of, of when we're sitting down? Yeah. So, and again, it comes down to like our, our, our joints don't like being in these extreme ranges. So they don't like being hanging out at the end range. And that's usually where joints are going to be a little bit more vulnerable. And I um, mean, think about rolling your ankle if you're playing soccer, like what's happened is you basically took that joint way past what it's comfortable being and you end up um, disrupting and hurting the tissue. Um, and so, I mean, obviously sitting is not going to be so dramatic as that. It, these are things that happen very slowly. We actually deform, we stretch out. We actually, you feel stiff after you've been sitting, but we actually measure in the back. You actually get a little extra range of motion. Mm. Uh, and that can have some implications in terms of, you know, how well your back functions, the stability, because you may think that you're stiff, but you actually uh, have a bit more range of motion. So I think that most people think that the cure to everything is to get a really expensive stand-up desk or a several thousand dollar chair, and that's going to solve all the ergonomic problems. 
that's definitely probably a, a part of it. But what are some of the other factors that impact somebody and their susceptibility to injury from ergonomic setup? Well, I think I think it, it's worth coming back to this idea of what is ergonomics, right? I think people have a misconception that ergonomics is, you know, the thing, the tool, the chair, the the workstation, or this, you know, new handle on my on my hammer. And ergonomics really is about the interaction of a human and the task they're doing. So it's about that interface. And yes, we have designs that help improve posture, help improve that work experience to optimize work. But it really comes back to the person that's at the center. The person should be central. And it isn't just going to be, you know, the tool or the chair that's going to solve these issues because it on its own isn't, that's not necessarily the issue. For example, if you don't use a chair or use the tool the way it was designed to, it's, it's not going to help and it may actually harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it really comes down to the behavior that is associated with, you know, the, the ergonomic uh, change that you're trying to make. And, and those are really hard to change. Behavior we know is really, really tough to modify. Mm-hmm. What are some other behaviors people should add into their day-to-day routine to try and mitigate any risk of injury? Well, that's a that's a really good point. Is I think you need to be listening to yourself. So you you got to think about okay, here's the ergonomic design, but here's the person, and the person can change over time. So, for example, um, we lose spine height throughout the day. Gravity's acting on us, and we actually get a little bit shorter by the end of the day. Um, same thing with if you're sitting for a little bit longer, you know, your body actually changes to the loads and the postures you've been exposed to. And so it, you will change a little bit. And so we have to kind of react to that. So you have to be listening to your body, listening for those early warning signs of, you know, feeling discomfort or feeling like you need to move around. You should be listening to that. Um, and we should also be striving to have some variety. I think the biggest thing is, is that it is not healthy to just stay doing the same thing for a long period of time, whether that's lifting, whether it's standing or sitting, anything we do a lot of without appropriate breaks and without listening to our body has the potential to overload the system. Mm-hmm. It's easy to think about that in terms of heavier things, heavier work, lifting, you know, we, we get earlier, faster warning signs that, hey, I'm getting sore, this is too much for me. Some of these, the problem with, you know, prolonged standing, prolonged sitting is those warning signs are a lot subtler and not as obvious that, hey, I might have done something to myself, but I was just sitting. Right. Yeah. The, you get the really traumatic sort of acute, oh, I pulled a muscle lifting a heavy box or I uh, bending over to pick up a piece of paper and my back goes, but they can be equivalently painful. <laughs> you can you can throw your back out really bad bending over doing the simplest of tasks. I've seen that a lot in ergonomics. So if somebody's going to be like taking breaks, what's the recommended amount of time? I mean, they're going to listen to the body for sure, but is there a certain like guidance that every X amount of time people should be shifting or moving? Yeah, that's the, the that would be lovely if there if we had that. We don't. Um, the, and so the guidelines, if you look at the international guidelines for activity, um, they're pretty consistent and just sit less, move more is basically what you're going to hear. You know, we could say, oh, every 30 minutes, get up and move. I mean, that's a great recommendation. There's not really a lot of evidence behind that right now. We need a lot more science before we can get to that point. But I think a combination of, you know, everyone's a little bit different. There are some people that can just sit forever without any real implications. And I, I still think those people need to move around and say, you need to make sure you're 
basically hitting your, your physical activity recommendations for a week. Like if you're mm-hmm. doing that and you're good with whatever you're doing, then you're probably fine. Yep. But you got to make sure you get that activity in for the people that really do have an issue with these postures. Uh, I think the biggest thing is listening to them and seeing where, where their tolerance is, right? If you get sore after sitting for an hour, then you got to back the trolley up and maybe say every 45 minutes, 40 minutes. Um, and, and, you know, you can set timers, you can, do things, you know, everyone gets into writing or into something and they forget how long they've been in that posture. So you, you need to get creative and it really, I think needs to be individual. Mm-hmm. There's, there are some recommendations in terms of, you know, if people are doing sit to stand workstations, you know, to try to do like a, a three to one ratio on that. But again, the, there's not a lot of evidence under, under that. Yeah. And when people take a break, should they be stretching? Is there any benefit to, to doing some light stretching or is it is it just good to get up and go get a glass of water and move around? Because I feel like when people are working at home, they don't get actually as much activities they might get in an office. You're walking down the hall to see a colleague or you're going to the bathroom, which might be 100 meters away. Um, you know, so what should people be doing when they take a little micro break? Yeah, I think this is the big thing. We definitely have to be a lot more um, mindful of what we can do that, you know, we don't have, you know, you're not walking to and from your car. All this incidental activity that was in our day is is no longer there. Um, I think, I mean, I think stretches are great. Being mindful of, you know, you may not want to be stretching your back per se, like, because that's probably already been stretched. Um, but getting, getting out of your chair. So I wouldn't necessarily say just sit in your chair and do some stretches in your chair is enough. Like I would say being up and out, get a glass of water. Cause that's going to probably make you have to go to the washroom a little bit more frequently. Um, and, and try to, the one nice thing about this whole work from home bit is that we have a little bit more flexibility. So yes, we don't have the incidental walk to the printer type stuff, but maybe, maybe we can take some time to go for a walk. Mm. Um, you know, in the morning or at, at a lunchtime and really try to do this with more intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more home exercising, you know, all these web-based um, yep. classes that have started up. Um, I started doing online Zumba because, yep. you know, never used to make it to the gym to go to a class. So I think there's some creative ways that we can actually get more activity in our day, but we do have to be mindful of it. That's true. And we had some folks on recently that do online wellness and fitness classes, and they're going gangbusters. And I work out every morning with my workout partner on on Skype. And a lot of the time uh, in our world, we have to read a lot. And so I have an exercise bike in my office that I can read my papers while I'm on the bike for 20 minutes and I can fit that activity in. So yeah, you're right. We just have to think about things differently. You know, what's the most dangerous words in business are we always did it that way. Maybe it's the same for ergonomics. We're here talking at-home ergonomics with Memorial University professor Diana DiCavallo. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. We're talking at-home ergonomics with Memorial University professor Diana DiCavallo. She's an expert in ergonomics and low back pain. Let's see what she has to say in the second half of our interview. You do research in this field. What are some of the things that you found are the biggest misconceptions or some of the things that you found that were most you know, interesting to you as a researcher when it came to the field of ergonomics? I think it's how complex things are. So, you know, we can look at things from a, from a research point of view on like, you know, is this new design actually going to have theoretical, ha- make a change, make a change in posture, do a change in this. And we can find, yeah, it actually does. You throw that into the field and you actually put it in a real world scenario and it gets a lot more complicated because people's behaviors are just so 
unpredictable. There's, there's more to it. It's not just the design. It's, uh, you know, we have physical ergonomics, but we also have, you know, organizational cognitive, there's all these other factors that come into it. So I think that the surprise has been like, it's not just straightforward in terms of, you know, yeah, this should work, but is it really going to work in the real world? And I think that comes down to just having to think more creatively on the you know, how is this product actually going to be used? Is it intuitive? Do Are people going to know how to, how to make it work the way you want it to? So there's all these other aspects um, that are always there when we're talking about interventions. You know, mm. it's no different than anything else. It's just a lot more complex. Mm. And for the people that, that, you know, are saying, oh, I got a bad back or I've got a sore, you know, jo- shoulder, I'm just going to get an ergonomic assessment. That's going to fix it all. Um, what would you tell those people about their role in mitigating the pain, especially with a background as a, as a chiropractor? Well, I, first of all, I'd say that's a, a great first thing to do. I think everybody should be um, taking steps to try to get as much knowledge as possible and having an ergonomic assessment and having that chance to chat with a professional about your work setup is always going to be a good thing, but you're right. It's not, again, if you think again, ergonomics, it is the workplace, but it's you, you you are as the worker, as the central piece to that puzzle. And I think clinically as well, and we're talking a lot more about patient centered care right now, it it really does come down to, to you as an individual playing a role in um, making things better. And this goes both in terms of ergonomics, like, yeah, you can have things be set up, but there's no magic bullet. You, there are definitely behaviors that we all need to focus on to try to make that equation work optimally. And then same thing from our, our, our clinical health, right? You know, we know back pain is not something, there's no silver bullet, there's no magical uh, way to approach this. And, you know, the, the passive things that can be done are, are we know, are, they're, not, they're, they're not necessarily just gonna solve the problem. So being active and taking an active role in, you know, how we think about our pain, how we think about function and making sure that, again, it really comes down to activity and exercise has a lot of evidence behind it and playing an active role in whatever the plan of management is with whoever you're seeing, that you actually have a really active role that you need to play, again, to make that equation optimized. I think you hit on a really great point there. Having an ergonomic assessment allows an expert to come in and assess what you need, first of all, for your setup. But secondly, they may give you advice on who you need to talk to to be able to fix some of those injuries on your own, whether it be through rehabilitation or whatever. So that's very valuable. Um, So say I'm at home and I don't happen to have the most high-tech ergonomic equipment kicking around. How can somebody make a relatively effective stand-up or sit-down workstation from the comfort of their own home? Yeah, and this is something I had actually a lot of experience in because when I was in practice, I was actually at on a university campus. So most of my patients were students who didn't have necessarily money or have you know an ergonomic um, assessment directly. So we had to get really creative. And I think that's basically what it comes down to at home. There's a lot of things if you just keep in mind the basic principles of ergonomics, and that is basically minimizing awkward postures, minimizing durations, and minimizing forces on your body. Now, when we're dealing with office stuff, you're Forces are generally low. They're generally your own body uh, weight. Do you really want to focus on duration that you're in the posture in a setup that is going to minimize any awkward situations? You don't want to be overly flexed. You don't want to be turned over here and having your neck cranked. You basically want to keep as neutral posture as possible so that your neck is straight, not forward, so that you're um, you're able to keep your arms fairly fairly neutral. Um, and so in terms of a, a chair, I would just be concerned, 
mindful of something that's either too hard or too soft. So you want to be a little bit of Goldilocks, right? Mm -hmm. You don't really want to be sitting on the couch because as I mentioned before, your body deforms, but the couch also deforms and you can actually sink into a more flexed posture than you think you are when you started. Um, but also, you know, we all know the kitchen chair after a long period of time becomes um, sore and that can also have compressive effects on some of the, the, the nerves and our tissues in our, in our body. So we want to be mindful of that. So you want a bit of a cushion, but nothing too soft. Um, ideally, you want things that you can adjust, right? But we don't always necessarily have an ergonomic chair that's adjustable. So just getting creative, maybe there's more than one chair you have that you can kind of rotate through. Maybe it is going from a kitchen chair to something a bit softer, just not spending as much time in it. You want to be at a table that you're not kind of raising your arms up too high or you're not, you know, working too low. So you just have to kind of look around and get creative. Maybe there's a dinner TV dinner tray or maybe there's something um, that you can use but you just kind of have to look at your own body and, and see, are you in a position that you're um, not awkward? That's number one. For standing, you know, you can use a kitchen counter if you have a laptop, right? So that actually becomes it. It's already at a good working height for where usually when you're standing, you want your desk to be just under your elbows um, or that table height. So that actually becomes a good place. I've always recommended people to look into things like, um, you know, an extra monitor or an external uh, mouse and keyboard, especially you're dealing with these laptops, it's very confined. That's actually part of the problem of them. And it, you really can create an issue with your neck and your upper back because you, you're basically limiting how many postures you can be in because yeah. the way it's designed. So, you know, I always used to tell my students, you know, it's not too expensive to get an extra keyboard. You can put your laptop up on a, a, a bunch of books and use that as your monitor that's a bit higher. And then you can have your keyboard in your mouth at a better height. So those are some inexpensive things that can help you out. If you have the ability to get a monitor as well, that just helps too, because it gives you more choice. And again, at the end of the day, getting creative, you just want to make sure things are safe and stable. And it was funny because you say that because even with the chair, so people are like, oh, my legs are dangling. Well, you can put something underneath as a footrest. I was, I was at a work site one time and uh, it was designed a long time ago and the control panels were too high and they were like, we got to raise the floor. And I was like, or you could get a stool for your feet, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> there are some creative ways. And I remember the story about the uh, NASA that spent a million dollars developing a pen that would work in space and the Russian used a pencil. What are some more signs if somebody starts to experience certain signs and symptoms when when should they really start taking this seriously and say look i need to i need to get my setup looked at you know our body has a lot of different signs some of it could be pain or discomfort that you're actually really sore some of it can just be sensations of numbness or tingling um numbness paresthesia type stuff these are the short-term things that you know you might hit them and they go away and then you do it again and it comes back again these are the things that you want to kind of pay attention to because they're the early warning signs. Nothing's seriously wrong. It's just that your body's telling you, hey, you know, there's, an, there's a consequence to what we're doing. If you leave things for too long, then you start getting symptoms that last for longer periods of time. Now they're not just going away. You're still noticing them that the next morning and they start to accumulate and get worse. And those are always the things that we want to avoid because our body is complicated, you know, um, how it, how complicated anatomy is. And once we start to get these, you know, lasting effects, then we start to move differently. We start to use our bodies differently. And then it's a bit of a, a cascade and we want to avoid going down that road. So really you want to be getting help earlier 
Um, and I know a lot of uh, companies have been offering home home-based, um, at least ergonomic consulting or some support in that regard. So take advantage of what's available if you have that on your workplace. If you don't, there's a number of resources and I'll, I'll share them with you uh, after that you can can kind of do some learning on your own. Um, but you, 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 wanna be, you wanna be listening to those early warning signs. Mm, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, actually, uh, what are some of, those, some of those resources? Because I think that that's something that people could really really take advantage of right now. So tons of people have are in the same boat, right? We're all kind of working from home. So there has been a number of resources that have been developed. Um, and you always kind of want to focus on, you know, organizations that have some evidence behind it. You know, you do, we do have, you know, we find a lot of help on online, but you want to look at where these, this information is coming from. So I noticed that the workplace, workplace NL actually has some resources on their website for, you know, office ergonomics, which can be modified if you're at home. You, again, you just have to apply the creative brush to it. Um, in Ontario, there's the uh, Center of Excellence for Musculoskeletal Disorders, CREMSD, and they also have some, um, some resources on their website. In terms of just trying to be active and healthy. I know the Canadian Chiropractic Association has a, a stand-up app that you can download it to your phone that just has nice evidence-based um, exercises and movement strategies that you can that you can guide through to be more active. I'm pretty sure most of the, the manual therapy organizations have something like that out there. And, and that's really what you want to be looking at is information and resources that, that have been put together with, with some evidence uh, behind it so that it's well, I think that that's that's extremely valuable information. I think everybody's in the same boat, like you said, and hearing it from an expert like yourself uh, is super helpful for folks to be able to sort of demystify something that can be a little bit complex for a lot of us. So thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much. Well, that was Dr. Diana DiCavallo, who's an ergonomic researcher. When we come back, we'll talk with Aaron Bradbury, who's an ergonomist and runs a Memorial University ergonomics program. She'll share all sorts of tips on how you can set up your workstation at home, including some creative ways to avoid workstation injuries. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. Now we're going to have a chat with Erin Bradbury. She's an ergonomist and runs a Memorial University ergonomics program. She's going to talk about why ergonomics is important and then take us step by step through setting up our own workstation at home. We caught up this week to have a chat, so let's check it out. Welcome to the show, Erin. It's great to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you as well. So Erin, you are the ergonomics lead for Memorial University, so you're obviously busy. People are working from home, but can you give us a bit of background on how you got into the field? Well, I have a master's of science in kinesiology, specializing in ergonomics and biomechanics. So I've been the ergonomist at MUN for 14 years. And I also do consulting as time allows. I have two little boys who don't always allow that extra time. So I originally didn't start out doing ergonomics. I started out um, with doing a biology degree. I wanted to go to med school, realized that wasn't for me. And I moved into kinesiology to do cold water physiology. But as um, you know, you meet new people and you get in, you learn what research they're doing that becomes interesting to you. So I had Scott, Dr. Scott McKinnon as my master supervisor who is well known in the ergonomics biomechanics circles. Uh, so he kind of turned me 
towards ergonomics and here I am. Right. I mean, that's when I met you when I first moved here and we were going to grad school together and we'd be down in those labs all day long and, and you've done a lot <laughs> since then. So right now, you guys have obviously had to adapt at Memorial. What are some of the big challenges you're finding with people working from home right now? The biggest challenge, at, especially at first, was equipment. So we didn't have the time to plan and see what this mass exodus from campus to to our individual homes would look like and work out the logistics of getting getting equipment there. So at the beginning, it was very much people just wondering, what am I going to sit on? What am I going to lay my laptop on? So we had to get pretty creative. I don't know how many times I've said it's not a time to be fancy. Ironing boards were used as makeshift keyboard trays, boxes or overturned pots as monitor lifts. Like my keyboard tray is still two stools with puzzle boxes taped to it and a plank of wood. But even when we figured out the logistics of getting equipment, this works. It's the right height. It's not fancy, but neither am I. So at the beginning, it was definitely what are we going to use? What tools can we use to, to set ourselves up correctly? And now we're seeing a lot of increased discomforts in the neck, shoulders, jaw area, which even though they're set up very well, um, just stress. We tend to hold our stress in our neck, our shoulders, our jaw. It's a stressful time for everyone. We're trying to figure out what our job now looks like. There's a lot of uncertainty about when we're going to be able to be back in our office or when life is going to go back to normal if if it ever does. Um, so people are tending to hold their to hold their stress. So no matter how well you're set up ergonomically, if you are clenching your muscles statically for extended periods of time, you're going to feel those discomforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people don't realize that when you're stressed, you know, our body manifests stress physically because that was how we responded to it for years. So we clench up our muscles and we compress our nerves and our veins and our blood pressure goes up and stuff. You know, I was going to ask this later, but I'm going to go right to it. We're going to talk a lot about ergonomic setup today. Like how do we set our chair and our keyboard and all those practical, very legitimate uh, things. But one of the things I think people are really struggling with is how do people control all the external factors when you're home? You got kids and you got dogs and you've got noise and you've got all these other things happening around you. Like, how are you dealing with folks and the distractions at the at the homework office? Yeah, that's always, and, it, and it's very, it's very varied. So right now, I have a dog who is very quiet. He doesn't bark. My kids are at school. I can devote my attention to you. In April and May and June, when my kids were home and I was still trying to get them to be students with me, their teacher, and that's not my calling, it was a lot harder um, because I did have distractions. I had to make sure they were fed. I had to make sure they were doing their work. So I found it a lot more stressful then. So our individual home lives are also very, very different. Some people need a bit of distraction. So I find sometimes if it's too quiet, so if I wasn't talking to you and I was just writing reports, I'd maybe listen to VOCM online or, you know, have, have a TV or something on in the background just to, just to give me some distraction. Because when we're at the office, people will pop in. Like I'm used to, to having those distractions. So I've out a spot for you in your home, noise canceling headphones if needed. Um, if you can close a door and put a schedule on your door so your family members, your kids know, hey, during this time, I'm doing this work, um, then that does help. But distractions are natural and, and can actually help us remind us to get up and take a movement break as well. Mm-hmm. So when I 
hear the buzzer of my laundry done, you know, that's a, a reminder to stand up and go switch over the never ending laundry pile. Um, so some distraction is good, but if it's too much, then, then um, really you're gonna have to work hard to find a schedule, find a quiet spot in your house somewhere. It might not be where you would normally put a desk, but if you have a unused guest bathroom downstairs and you need to go read something, go stand in there and read, do what you have to do to, to get that bit of peace. That's a great idea. Yeah, I turned my spare bedroom into a home office, which is where I'm talking from right now. And it's, uh, it's great, you know, like, uh, if you've got extra room that wasn't being used, you realize, hey, that could be a that can be it's my gym and it's my office right now. But but I think that it's, you think you made a good point there that you know, it's not just about having complete peace and quiet, because we're in the office, it's not peace and peaceful and quiet. And, and uh, you know, people like us have very social jobs, we're interacting with people. And that that can be something that can lead to stress if you feel isolated as well. So I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, so there's going to be a lot of people listening that are trying to set up their small business, for example, they're not all the size of Memorial University. Maybe you can walk us through what you've done and some of the things that smaller organizations can do to make sure ergonomics is, is part of their sort of safety. A well-developed ergonomics program is really important, not only from worker safety and productivity, but from a company's bottom line as well. So research has shown that um, while a lot of people think ergonomics is expensive, aspects of it can be, but your return on investment is very high. But I understand a lot of people don't have money to put up front towards people think ergonomics, they think fancy chairs. A lot of times, if you have your ergonomics program early on, before injuries have been setting in, you're going to prevent the need for some of that more expensive equipment. So if you're ensuring your employees have a decent chair that has some adjustments and, and all their heights are set correctly, then that will help prevent maybe needing a more expensive one down the road. And ergonomics isn't just about office ergonomics, but wherever an employee works, ergonomics needs to be taken into account. So musculoskeletal injuries are the number one lost time injuries, lost time claims in Newfoundland and, and most places across the world. Um, and it has a huge price tag attached to that, not just the direct costs of payouts, but indirect costs. So if I was to go off today with all that tacit knowledge, all that knowledge that's just in my head from working where I've worked for 14 years goes with me out the door. Mm -hmm. So they would have to pay to hire someone to fill in. Um, who might not know the processes of the company or might not know that, oh, if you want a quicker answer on this, you call Linda instead of Bob or, you know, these things that just helped roll things through a lot quicker during the day. So the, the cost of an ergonomics program pays for itself. Um, Workplace NL has a lot of great information on setting up ergonomics programs. Well, let's let's talk through some of those things you would do for folks because you know some people are at home they don't have access to somebody who's got as much experience as you to be able to walk them through how to set up their ergonomics. So take me through setting up uh, my workstation at home with whatever I got around the house. What would you what would you start with in the checklist? Okay, so the first thing you want to do is assess what you're sitting on. So when you're sitting down, um, you the you want to Scoot your bottom right back to the back of the chair and make sure your back is touching the backrest and <laughs> see how many fingers are between the back of your knee and the front of your seat pan. So ideally we want two to three. If you have an adjustable chair, usually those seat pans can pull in and out. If it's too deep or too 
or too shallow, um, then there can be some circulation issues. So that's when a footstool will become more important and we'll get into that. So the next thing, when you're sitting up straight with your back against your chair, your arms at 90 degrees, rested close to your body without having to shrug up your shoulders or pull down. If you have armrests, they should be at that height to allow you to keep that position. The back of your chair, so we all have that, um, that lumbar, that low back curve. So if you're sitting on your chair and there's nothing filling in that, that hollow in your low back around your belt line, then you can roll up a towel, roll up a sweater, stick that behind you just, just to keep that, that curve. So now with the height of the chair, so the heights are really, really important. When you are sitting in that position with your elbows at 90 degrees, your keyboard and mouse should be at your fingertips. So usually we want your desk or whatever your keyboard and mouse is on, if it's a tray or if it's a plank of wood and stools and puzzle boxes, whatever your keyboard and mouse is on, you want that to be about the same height as your elbows or maybe a little bit lower. So if you're not at that height, then you wanna bring your chair up in height, if it can be. Uh, you may need a footstool, so a footstool, can be anything. Um, it can be a box. It can be a book bag filled with books so it doesn't slide around. Anything just to help you have your feet firmly on, on something so that you're not increasing the pressure underneath your, your thighs and messing with your circulation. So that's really it for the chair. We're here with ergonomist Erin Bradbury as she walks us through how to set up our own home workstation. We'll continue with the rest of the ergonomic self-checks right after this break. Welcome back. Before the break, ergonomist Erin Bradbury walked us through how to set up our office chair. Now she'll take us through the other ergonomic adjustments we can make to our own home workstation. Okay, now what will we look at next? Next is, so the keyboard and mouse should be on the same level. Sometimes people will put the mouse on top of the desk. That should be on the same level right in front of you and as close to the edge of your desk as it needs to be for you not to reach forward. So you want your upper arms perpendicular with the floor so that you're not reaching forward. Because if you're reaching forward, the rest of your upper body is gonna, is gonna come with it and you're gonna move away from the back of, of the chair back. Um, so then it's your monitor. So the typical guideline for monitors is top of the screen at eye level. So for me, I do that on a very individualized basis because there's several things that can change if that were for someone kind of drastically. So if someone is wearing bifocal eyeglasses, what tends to happen is they tip their neck up so that they look down through the bottom of their bottom of their glasses. So tipping your neck up not only is bad for the, the muscles, but our circulation in, in our neck as well. We, we need oxygenated blood to go to our brain. So if you're wearing bifocals, lots of the times the monitor, monitor needs to be down lower so that you're not tipping your chin up. But also some of the programs we use on a daily basis are very different. Not everyone is using the standard Microsoft Word, Office, Excel, like, you know, we used to typically use the same program. There's a lot of engineering programs or finance programs where the bulk of what they're looking at is closer to the bottom of the screen. So if I set up the top of the screen at eye level, they're going to spend most of their day flex in a flex position looking down. So it really goes on what programs you're using. So how I get people to set it up correctly for them is I tell them to look at what their chin is doing. So if when you're typing, your chin is up, your monitor is too high and it needs to come down. 
when you're looking at when you're doing computer work and your chin is down, your monitor is too low and, and it needs to come up. We want to stay in, in a neutral neck posture for as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we got we got chair, we got keyboard, we got mouse, we got monitor. And so, you know, I'm looking at my monitor. I got a larger screen because I do a lot of graphics stuff. And so it's bigger. So it's harder for me to have at the top eye level because there's just so much down below it. Um, yeah. So I can see that. And a lot of people have double monitors as well. So what's the rule with that? So usually the bigger the monitor is, so the typical guideline for distance of monitor is about an arm's length away. Again, that depends on vision, vision issues. With the larger monitors, I ask people to put it kind of as far back as they can without having to lean forward or strain their eyes to see it. So when you have a large monitor, um, it's like sitting in the front row of a movie theater. They're never the first seats to go because there's a lot of neck movement to pan from one corner to the other. So you don't wanna sit too far away that you have to lean in and strain, but we can't always follow the same guideline that was developed on a small 19 inch inch monitor for distance mm -hmm. with two monitors you the same thing it's you want it back a little bit further but you the placement of them you have to look at the percentage that you're looking at one versus the other so if you're using them equally then you want the split to be in the middle of you and then slightly angled towards you on each side so that will accommodate the eye angle and you won't be spending more time looking in one direction versus the other direction. If one of them is your primary monitor and you're using it 80 to 90% of the time, then that one should be right in front of you and the other one angled on the side as close to that monitor as it can get. Because otherwise you can develop a muscle imbalance. If you're looking, always looking to the left for eight hours a day, then that can throw some things off. Mm. Now, you know, just now, now that we've got everything set up properly, let's get super, if we could get really picky on stuff. But what about lighting? Like, because I know that people are set up wherever they possibly can, but I know lighting can affect screen glare and eye strain and things like that. Absolutely. Um, and lighting also is, is something that's very subjective. Usually, personally, I don't like any overhead lights in my office. I turn them off. Some general rules that we we try to go by is you don't want a light directly above your monitor because that can cause you know glare and um an eye strain but you also don't want to sit directly in front of a window if that window is open so if i was looking at you and there was a window behind you um from my position then that's a competing light source so our eyes will be strained because they'll be trying to accommodate both of those. You want to make sure that any lighting you have is um, not harsh and that it does illuminate any papers that you're using. But our monitor is its own light source, so we don't need anything shining on, on the light source. And also playing around with your brightness and contrast levels on your monitor, if you're finding it too bright, can, can help. And there's a 20-20-20 uh, rule to ward off eye strain um, while at the computer. So every 20 minutes, focus on something 20 feet away for 20 seconds. So for me to sit and look at my computer and to focus at this distance, the muscles in my eye have to contract at a certain length. So if I'm keeping them contracting, it's the same as where we talked about earlier, not squeezing your shoulder and, and your neck muscles for a long time without giving them a break. Um, so you wanna focus on something a different length away to, to allow them to contract at different lengths. Mm. That's interesting. And, and, you know, let's, let's stay on that muscle strain side of things. I know that you do a lot of stretching, not only with people in office settings, but also in industrial settings. Uh, what are some tips for stretching, keeping our body 
limber. So you want to warm up first. So if you uh, think of our, our muscles as chewing gum, if I had, if I was chewing some gum now and was asked to, you know, stretch it out, it would be easily able to do that. But if I found a piece underneath a table, I do have two boys, hopefully not though, um, <laughs> under, <laughs> stuck underneath a table and it was cold, then it, it is a lot harder to move. So you want to warm up first. And that could be, you know, if you're working from home, you might, you know, just walk up and down some of your stairs or march on the spot. So you really want to warm up those muscles first. And with stretching in, in some of the industrial settings, you know, we get them to do a big block of them at, at once. But if you're in an office setting, do a, a few of them maybe every 20, 30 minutes, like pick two stretches and do it throughout your day to help ward off. Um, well, it allows you to move, which is the most important thing you can do, but uh, also be aware of where you may be feeling aches and pains. So if you know every time you go to do a stretch, you're wanting to do a neck stretch because that's what's bothering you, then maybe we'll find, you can find out, well, why is my neck bothering me? Mm-hmm. All right, Aaron. So, you know, people don't have optimal equipment. Sometimes you talked about your keyboard tray of two stools and puzzle boxes. What were some of the most creative tools and, and things people have used to make themselves ergonomic at home? Oh, I've seen, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot, Mike. <laughs> people are so creative and it, uh, it amazes me every time. Um, I, I know I mentioned earlier, like pots upside down. Someone was in their kitchen and, and would stand sometimes. Um, they, you know, they had their setup, but they wanted to stand and do some work. The countertop was too low for them, but their microwave was on their counter. So they popped their laptop on top of their microwave. So that was, <laughs> that was creative. Ironing boards have actually become, I, I've, I have a new appreciation for ironing boards. Mine is never used for ironing, um, but yeah, they're adjustable. So to, That's pr- if someone yeah, they, people are standing using ironing boards or sitting using it as a tray, lots of little shelves and boxes that, that people have used. People are really, really getting creative mm-hmm. and, um, but it's helping there. I tell them it's not a time to be fancy. It's a time to be, to be functional. So mm-hmm. Well, I think that people learned, you know, and the extreme version of it, that working from your couch or working from your bed does hurt your body after a while and, uh, and that they need to start getting, sitting up straight and having a nice surface. So, no, that's great. I think that, you know, creativity is good. You don't have to be fancy. That's a huge message for people, making sure folks are stretching and moving around and, uh, and, and also finding the right balance for them to feel like they're engaged, but also not distracted. Those are all really, really great tips for folks. Thanks so much for taking the time today to chat with us. That's great information. And uh, it's nice for people to have access to somebody like yourself who does this so often and knows so much. So I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Well, that's today's show. And if you're working from home and needed some ergonomic guidance, you can't get better experts than Dr. DiCavallo and Aaron Bradbury. And if you're someone who's experiencing aches and pains from your work setup, then take their advice and do the self-checks. And if it's getting worse each day, you should go talk to your medical team. Now, if you have a company, big or small, and ergonomics isn't on your radar, maybe you should look at it. As both of our guests mentioned, there's lots of resources out there, including some great info available on the Workplace NL website. In the meantime, take your breaks, keep your body moving, and get your workstation lined up. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. 
We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.